Welcome back to the Evolution Show. I'm your host, Johan Landgren. Today, we have a world-leading expert on the show to talk about vehicle-to-grid. How does this new technology work? And could it revolutionize the market for electric vehicles as well as the energy market? And what if Tesla enters this market? Would it become a game-changer for the adoption of vehicle-to-grid? Join us for an inspiring conversation with Martin Messer Thompson, a person who led the first commercially installed vehicle-to-grid system in the world. And don't forget, give us a thumbs up if you like the show and consider subscribing. Now, let's get into the world of vehicle-to-grid here on The Evolution Show. Welcome to the Evolution Show, Martin Messer Thompson. Am I pronouncing that right? Very fine, thank you. Okay. Uh, how's things in Denmark? You're in Copenhagen, right? I am in very warm Copenhagen for the moment. I live here. Uh, so, uh, so far, a fantastic summer. Yeah. Uh, you've been in the Nordic, you've been a Nordic operations manager for Nuve uh, that installed the first commercial application for vehicle to grid um, and you have a long experience as well uh, working with EVs and thinking around EVs, the um, ecosystem around EVs. So I think we can cover a lot of interesting aspects of this very involving markets. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved in the vehicle to grid space? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been working with, as a consultant in electric vehicles for the last uh, eight, nine years. And uh, part of that has been, you know, helping companies, municipalities uh, going going green uh, with setting up, uh, you know, a way to help them go buy the correct electric vehicles and uh, charges and all that. And when you work in this field, you always also see that there, there are potential issues if you have a lot of electric vehicle charging at the same time. So I got quite interested in the subject of, of vehicle to grid in an early stage. And uh, I was very fortunate to run into the people working for Nuvi very early before they installed the first charges here in Denmark. So I was very happy to work for them for almost four years uh, in the very early start of, of the rollout. Yeah, uh, vehicle to grid or uh, V2G, uh, short for that. Um, for people who don't, are not un who are unfamiliar with this, uh, could you tell us a little bit how does vehicle to grid work and why is it a potential game changer for the energy market? If you agree that that it is, I definitely agree. It is uh, vehicle to grid in basic is very very simple. It's so-called bidirectional charging, which means the car can also send power back to uh, the grid or to the building or whatever the local area. So it's a very broad definition of uh, basically a car that can also send power back uh, out of the battery. So that's the basic definition of, of that. Uh, it's absolutely very, very interesting because as I already mentioned, a lot of people see that electric vehicles will be a quite a big uh, load on, on the grid at, at some point not only sort of the big grid, but also the local grid. So uh, there are potential a lot of issues 
uh, in the grid when we get a lot of electric vehicles and also electric heat pumps. So there are some challenges when we look at some, some years ahead. And I see that vehicle to grid is absolutely one of the ways that we can uh, make sure that we can have a lot of electrifications in the grid before we need to upgrade them a lot. Yeah. As the Nordic, um, Nordic operations manager for this company, Nuve, you were in charge of the first installation of a vehicle-to-grid system, a commercial uh, vehicle-to-grid system. And could you tell us about that project and perhaps some of the key lessons that you learned learn going forward? Yeah, absolutely. It was a project uh, that we did together with Danish Technical University and uh, some of the other partners like Nissan uh, to see how exactly it worked in real life with vehicle-to-grid. Uh, so I was very fortunate to work together with these strong partners uh, for, for, for the whole period. And uh, maybe to a surprise for, for me and, and many others, uh, there is a, a very big uncertainty to begin with that you can actually uh, have someone taking power out of your car. Because a lot of new users for electric vehicle, they feel that it's stressful just to charge the car. So it took a while before people got uh, acquainted with the idea and also had the faith to believe that it was actually charged whenever you need it again. So like a lot of other aggregation, it's about seeing and, and believing that the technology actually works. <clears throat> this is very important and this is quite a difficult step uh, to get to that stage to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but when the drivers, they feel felt comfortable uh, with driving the cars, charging them and also saw that they were actually charged the next morning to the level they required, they felt very, very comfortable with the idea of, of vehicle to grid. So uh, it's it takes a while, but uh, when it works and of course, when you cleared out some of the child diseases, uh, the users were also very happy for for, for using this. Yeah, it will come back to why Denmark was taking was first on this. I think there were a number of reasons that made it that decision kind of easy for you uh, or enabled that uh, decision. But uh, if you look at vehicle to get to, to grid, it enables a lot of different solutions for the energy market. And one is by using electric cars as a mobile energy storage or mo mobile energy storage units to stabilize the grid in different ways and and one is the what's called the frequency regulation uh can you tell us how this works and perhaps we should go back to the, what i mentioned denmark and perhaps that's why denmark chose that uh, path exactly that was the reason uh in denmark um well first of all nuvi had some projects already in denmark so that was one of the reasons why an american company ended up here they had cooperations with uh, the technical university already but we also found out that uh, the TSO, those uh, making sure that the big grid is, is working very, uh, very good, uh, they were very interested in this technology because they see some futures in, in the grid, uh, stabilizing the grid in the future when we take away all the coal power plants, the nuclear power plants and all the other so-called base load. When that disappears uh, one by one, there will not be enough uh, resources to actually stabilize the grid in the very short period of time. Um, so that was why it was so uh, interesting for the, the Danish TSO and Aginet. And they were very supportive in, in the beginning of this. So it has been really interesting working together with them. 
So that was the reason why it came together in Denmark. It was an open energy market. We could, uh, from day one, tap into the energy market and actually earn money on doing vehicle to grid. So this was the reason that an American company started up in Denmark as the first place. Yeah. Uh, just onto something different. And another aspect is that there's a common misconception that EVs will create higher peaks of, of, of power demand for the grid as more people charge the EVs at home or at superchargers or at uh, offices. But vehicle-to-grid with EVs can in fact have the opposite effect. And could you explain perhaps why this is? Yeah, most electric grids are having a very stressful time in late afternoon, early evening, when we all come back uh, and start uh, cooking. Uh, in some countries where we need air condition, uh, people also tend to ramp up the air condition when they come home. So there is a very big peak uh, in electricity demand in, in that period. Uh, and if you also plug your electric vehicle in when you come home, uh, this adds up to a very, very high uh, consumption during a very sh or quite short period of time of maybe two to four hours. So that's why the EV can actually uh, add to a lot more strain on, on the grid if you just plug them in when you come home. But today, many of the EVs that are sold have a very large capacity in the battery, so very few people use that capacity during the day. So when you come home with a car that can actually push power back to the grid, uh, you could plug it in and make sure that you lower the consumption, not only on your own house, but also in, in the whole area by sending power back to the grid in, in these very stressful time for the grid. And then in the early evening and or maybe at night when the grid is having a lot of capacity, you can just charge your car again. This could be one way of using vehicle to grid. Uh, and uh, we don't do that in Denmark because there's not economically uh, incentive to do that for the moment. But uh, this is how they expect to do it in the in the UK and, and many other places. Uh, also Sweden, they are very interested in, in doing vehicle to grid there because they pay a, a large amount of the electricity bill depending on last month's peak in how much you used. So if you can take the top of that peak with, with a vehicle-to-grid system, then you would be capable of, of, of saving a lot of money on your electricity bill. So it really depends on the market, uh, what kind of services that's interesting for that specific market. So we're in an early stage with vehicle-to-grid, absolutely, but it also has an enormous uh, potential, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, we'll come back a little bit to cutting the peaks. Uh, I, I was thinking about also asking you, uh, how about combining solar? If you have a solar roof, for example, uh, for me, it's it's interesting. We have just installed solar uh, solar roof on our house uh, in January or in December, actually. And it's been fantastic. And we also have a small battery. Uh, but I mean, in the garage, we have a electric car uh, with a huge battery. But we can't use that because I have a Tesla and they don't have that uh, technology at the moment. But Nissan, uh, I think Mitsubishi and some others, they have bi-directional charging um, available. But uh, how about in the future? Let's say that I uh, in the future will have a car that has a vehicle degree technology and I also have a solar roof, for example. How, how could that work together? So solar and vehicle to grid? Well, you, you can already charge your Tesla or any electric vehicle with the solar energy if you are home, obviously, when the sun is shining. Uh, but in the future, you would be capable of not only charging your car, but you could also 
discharge that energy later in the evening and run your whole house and maybe part of the, of the neighborhood with a vehicle to grid technology. So there, there are lots of options uh, when more car uh, manufacturers will come with this uh, option of vehicle to grid. Uh, exactly as, as you said, you, you might even make a micro grid on, on your own, uh, which would be interesting in some more remote areas because connecting to the big grid might be expensive and uh, maybe not very stable. But it could also have an enormous opportunities in underdeveloped area in Africa and, and other places that they don't need to have a very expensive grid to get a, 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 a stable amount of electricity during evening and night. So there's so many ways that you can use this technology in the future, not only to save a, a few kroner in Denmark by doing frequency regulation, but the, it has an enormous potential when you look at it in, in that scale. Yeah, you mentioned something I actually forgot. I mean, in, in countries, in developing countries, this should be fantastic. Both they have a lot of solar energy. So if you could use that to, to charge the batteries, just during the night, you can read, you can perhaps run your fridge or some other appliances. But I also, also, I mean, if you think about Denmark, for example, you have a lot of sun compared to uh, on, on an annual basis, basis than most of Sweden. Uh, only south of Sweden is comparable. Uh, so you should be also, I think, in, it should be interesting for Denmark to have that as well, I guess, to have solar and, and vehicle to get. Yeah. Ab absolutely. We are, we are not exactly leading on solar. We are picking up on it, but, uh, uh, but we have a lot of wind, as you probably know, in, in, in Denmark. And some say that a, a good combination of wind and solar is 80% wind and 20% solar. So I hope we get there at, uh, at some point so we can have a very sta as stable as possible uh, green energy production in Denmark. But adding the cars to this would also be very important and other uh, batteries, of course, in, in the grid. So I, I see that as a, a huge opportunity, that's for sure. Yeah, and perhaps I'm mentioning this because in Sweden, in south of Sweden, I don't know you, if you know about that, but we have issues there um, supplying the grid of the grid supplying power to the southern region. Uh, recently, we actually had to restart a coal power plant, and uh, it was in the middle of summer, just a couple of days ago, actually. And otherwise, they would have to shut down uh, parts of the grid. And uh, you, you have a more stable grid, I think, in, in Denmark um, when it comes to supplying uh, the power uh, for two different grid regions. Um, so that's, that's why I'm, I, think, uh, I think more perhaps vehicle to grid could be an even better way for us in Sweden, since we have an, a different kind of energy system. I don't know if you, what you think about this, but I fully agree about that. So you can also store some of the energy because you have the demand issue that is very huge in, in southern part of Sweden. Uh, but you also have this, as we talked about, you have a very expensive peak for companies and uh, municipalities. Uh, so they are very interested in combining all this uh, together. That's for sure. Uh, we don't have a, uh, a production issue of, of electricity in Denmark. We are connected to Germany, Netherlands you in Sweden and Norway, so we generally don't have a, an issue in that case. No, no, we, I should mention that it's not a production problem, it's a distribution problem. So it's a, so, so that's but just for people who don't know. So we have, like you, we have an oversupply, we're selling more than we're consuming, but it's still an issue because the, it's basically cables into the ci different cities are not able to, to take in as much as is needed. When you're you know, expanding the cities and so on, uh, it, the infrastructure is not there. But, but I can also just mention for people that are curious that 
even today with a small battery at home, um, we have increased our um, daily uh, consumption of what we produce with 30%. Uh, on a 24-hour basis, I've, I've looked at this, and and that's that's quite a lot. Um, and if you imagine that we have a much bigger battery, you can of of course increase your own consumption of your own solar production uh, much more than that. So that's something to have in mind. Absolutely. So that's yeah, but okay. Uh, there in Sweden, there are at least two ongoing projects that I know of, and I know that you have even been involved in at least one of them. So. Perhaps you can, I think that uh, the, the one uh, in Kungsbacka, um, where they have in installed uh, a number of vehicle to grid units, it's a small city in, in Sweden, uh, where they supply, supply and demand of power for the operations run by, uh, by the municipality, uh, is a project uh, that's really perhaps uh, nice to mention to the Swedish audience. Do you know anything about this project? Yeah, so about one year ago, they installed the uh, uh, 10 vehicle to grid charges at the muni two different municipality sites in Kungsbacka. Uh, you might call Kungsbacka a small municipality, but uh, they are usually very far fronted in all the new technology. And uh, this is very important because a lot of other uh, companies and municipalities in Sweden are looking very much into what Kungsbacka is doing. So that's why it's a very high profile customer in this space. Um, I I am aware that it's Eon in Sweden that is running this operation. So uh, I haven't uh, I I don't know any details about the, how the operations is going. Uh, but the, as I said, they installed it uh, ten charges uh, to also to level the peaks uh, and at a later stage doing vehicle to grid as well uh, with yeah. frequency regulation, which is not yet possible in Sweden. Uh, so it will be at some point and uh, so the cars will do a number of different services when they are not running during the day for, for, for the municipality. So that's a very interesting case there. Yeah, uh, just another to mention is the city of Örebro. Uh, they have a residential area, residential company uh, that have installed vehicle to grid units and they are thinking about uh, saving money. Um, and, uh, and similarly, we see this kind of development in Netherlands, for example, they have um, rolled out this kind of systems for combining solar and they have not solar in Erebro yet, but they are, they're, as you said, they're cutting down on or, or leveling out the consumption supply in, in a residential building. So when there's a high demand, of course, then you can use some of the energy in the battery and when it's low, then you can uh, and so on. So, um, yeah, but uh, if you look at where do you see the biggest markets for vehicle to grid uh, in the next, let's say, five years? So if we look at Europe, I think UK are very far in, in, in this because they have uh, installed a lot of uh, nuclear, uh, not nuclear, they have cut down on nuclear, uh, but uh, they have installed a lot of wind turbines and a lot of solar. So they see uh, a lot of issues with the grid, uh, you know, a lot of variations in the very short term. The frequency is, is, is very rapidly going up and down. And they also had a major power cut not too long ago because of this uh, very unstable grid. So they've invested from the government in, in the UK uh, in a lot of different projects. So if they all come out uh, as expected, they we will see a lot of installations of, of vehicle to grid there. I also seen some projects in the Netherlands, so that's very good. Um, and uh, 
uh, as I understand, Nubi is also expanding in Denmark, so that's also uh, hopefully a bigger market here. Um, the issue with vehicle to grid is, uh, or has been, that there are only very few manufacturers of charging stations. Because the charging stations needs to be different because it should also be capable of sending power back. So uh, the prices has been very high because it's new technology and the manufacturers has been very small. Uh, fortunately, we see more charges coming into the market now, so hopefully the price will go down. Uh, so this has been very simple but very frustrating issues that the amount of charges hasn't been available. That has been one of the issues why it has been, you know, the rollout has been slow. Um, but uh, we also see issues that uh, the energy market, even inside EU, are not at all looking the same. So we have different uh, energy markets here. You have different in Sweden and so on and so on. So it's not easy to do an aggregator, do the software that can control these cars so you can make money on vehicle to grid. So we're in a very early stage. Uh, a lot of work has been uh, done to, to, to make it go faster, but uh, it, it, it just takes time to go to market. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are many vehicle-to-grid projects. We have mentioned a few here in Sweden, and you have the, the one you mentioned in, in Denmark, of course. Are there any specific case uh, or project that you're aware of that you would like to mention that could be interesting for others that are interested? Uh, I only know it from the headlines, but according to what we have read on the internet, a Fiat in somewhere in Italy has been or are installing a very big uh, vehicle to grid installations. I can't exactly remember the numbers of, of cars, but this was, uh, I think, in the in the hundreds. So this will be the, the biggest one in Europe, to my to my knowledge, uh, and I think that's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, for, for a number of reasons, not only because of the size, but also this indicates that Fiat will all the, the cars coming out of, of, of Fiat will also be capable of doing vehicle to grid when they come out, which is very important because that's the other weak link in this. Uh, so far, as you mentioned, Nissan and Mitsubishi has been doing this. Uh, Honda is also rumored to have it in, in the nice Honda E. And Volkswagen is mentioning vehicle to grid on their website, so hopefully they are working on it as well. Yeah. And, and as you probably have seen also, lots of rumors about Tesla, whether they can do it or cannot do it. But uh, Exactly, and that's, yeah. sorry, yeah. yeah. Hopefully they will say more about this at, at some point on, on, on the battery day or whatever that's called in, in autumn somehow. Yeah. So. Uh, they, 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 so not only charges are, have been limited, but also the uh, amount of, of electric vehicles that are capable of doing this has been limited. So uh, yeah. that's some of the reasons why it, it, it might look like it's a bit slow. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's actually my follow-up question. I, uh, because uh, Tesla is an interesting case, uh, not because I'm just interested in Tesla, but because they have a, such a large vehicle fleet. So if you think about if they come into this market, for me, it's a, it's a game changer. Um, and I've also thought about why they haven't done it so far. And, and when I, you, the more you get to know about vehicle to the grid, you, then you also realize that there, there is a lot of money to be, to be saved on this or to be, to be earned as a company if you use this in your own ecosystem. So obviously, Tesla also, I think, saw that you know, we're coming to a point where you can use that and make money on this. Perhaps like I read about your Nuvi project that you share the profits 
uh, with the customer. So let's say you have a 50-50 share or something like that. That Tesla said, okay, you have this new vehicle. We have introduced this um, technology. Uh, so perhaps in the Model Y, for example, or even the Model 3 that's already produced, because there are some people that have, you know, uh, dismantled the car and said that, yeah, they looked at, they're actually the bi-directional um, functionality in the car already. Uh, not in the Model S and the Model X, but perhaps in the Model 3 and definitely in the Model Y. So that if you, let's, let's just, uh, uh, you know, play with the idea that Tesla is going to introduce this sometime during this year or early next year. What do you think that would mean for the market, for the vehicle-to-grid market, with such a big player uh, when it comes to, to electric vehicles and, you know, in, in, the, in the sheer numbers, of course? Yeah, we've seen that Tesla has been pushing the market for electric vehicles in so many ways. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the other OEMs are, are pushing the EV market in general very much, but uh, it would make a very, very big change to vehicle to grid if Tesla suddenly announced that they were capable of doing it. Uh, as you said, they have an enormous amount of capacity in the, in the batteries already. But if you could also send that power back, uh, so as you said, you could make your own ecosystem or even uh, earning money on, 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 on the grid. Uh, I think the news about uh, Model 3 being capable of doing uh, bi-directional charging, I think that was uh, discussed whether that was true afterwards, but uh, I hope it is true, absolutely. And uh, I really hope Model Y can do it. Uh, but Tesla would be a game changer, absolutely, uh, and would press, uh, do a lot of pressure on, on the other OEMs so they can also do that in the future. Uh, yeah. that, that is for sure. And in what, if a people don't really realize you know, the magnitude of this change, what it would mean with so, more, so many you know, new cars. I mean, if you think about Tesla, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's a whole community uh, and you already have... If you think about, they have they're supplying now solar solar roof. They're early on early phase with that, but they have the home um, uh, they have the power walls and so on, so a home battery already. But you you could uh, imagine you know different kind of developments for businesses for for homeowners and so on to actually I mean not go 100% off grid, but at least during some part of the year you could do that, and that, that's a potential uh, for saving money in a huge way. Uh, so I don't think people really realize that vehicle to grid, why it's such a game changer, because uh, it, I think it really is. And I think also what you'd like to mention that I think this could happen if Tesla steps in. Let's just say they, they, they do on this battery investor day coming up now or the next one, um, that it, uh, it would accelerate the vehicle to grid uh, change that is coming anyway. I fully agree and also to mention that uh, if you have the correct charger or the right charger you can also use your car as an emergency backup for your home uh, or your company or whatever so this has a very high value if you live in a place that has a vulnerable grid. Uh, we are very fortunate here in Denmark where I live I've lived here almost 20 years we have only had one major power cut so that was quite funny because everybody walked out in the street and, and met and, and discussed, oh, you don't have power and blah, blah, blah. Then we actually met in the street. Uh, but uh, if this happens on a regular basis, a, a, a car that can actually feed power back to my house would have a very big value to run the, you know, the fridge and the modem for the internet and, and the heat and everything like that. So uh, this is absolutely very important in some area and would have a very high value.
That's a great point. I, I was actually, that was my next question. So sort of, I mean, it, how you could use both as a storage, but also as emergency power. You could have it at home, as you said, and and uh, as, at, as a, at a big company. If you let's say you have 10 or 15 or 20 uh, of your workers, employees uh, that have cars, of course, it will only work when they're at, at the, uh, during the daytime. So when they go home, they're not connected to, to, the, to the office. But then, of course, then the demand on the office is not as big either. So perhaps it's not a big issue. So that's, um, yeah. So emergency, I think emergency storage and power, um, and also as a kind of a, to to balance the the wind production. If you have a, lot, a large wind farm, you could also use it that way. So, so that's um, so. Where do you think this market is going? Uh, when if you look at the energy market, are you you think it's going to be more microgrids that's going to to open up for the microgrid markets that we have new players that are. You know, competing on more microgrid um, sort of part part uh, of grid, or at least uh, emergency powered grid, or you know something like that. It it, it will be a combination, but um, I think that in many many countries, uh, vehicle to grid is seen as the big help for uh, the local grid uh, in your street in your neighborhood, because as we talked about before, uh, electric vehicles and uh, heat pumps will actually you know, put a lot of pressure on the local uh, uh, the local grid. I was so fortunate when I worked for Nuvi that we had visitors from all around the world, quite often actually. And I was a bit puzzled in the beginning, like why does this delegation want to travel all the way to Denmark to see just the 10 charges and hear about this? So I started asking people why they were so interested and it turned out that most of them were not here to hear about uh, frequency regulation and stabilizing the big grid, but they were very concerned about their local grid because they usually have a very weak grid that wouldn't be capable of supplying a lot of uh, electric uh, electrification. So this was what they were very concerned about. And as we talked about before, this could actually help that uh, the local grid so you can get a lot more electric cars and heat pumps in, in the local grid. So I see that this will be a way to, to, to help the local grid instead of you need to pay a lot of money by upgrading it. Vehicle to grid could actually help your local grid. So I see a lot of business models in the future where you can be paid by supplying, you know, backup for the local grid uh, on an hourly basis, maybe on a weekly or monthly or whatever. Um, so that that's very interesting. Absolutely. Um, and it's very important to, to have the mindset that uh, I also believe vehicle to grid is very important for these number of reasons. So imagine now that we in many countries do give subsidies for electric vehicles. Imagine that instead of doing a fixed subsidy for all electric vehicles, we give more subsidy for a car that can do vehicle to grid or maybe subsidize the charger or something like that. The first owner of a, let's say, a Nissan Leaf that can do vehicle to grid, he might not want to use this or might not understand it, but the next user might be capable of doing it or, you know, you might see a good offer at some point. So I think this is a very important to, to, to do this because if you buy a normal electric car today, this will only be a load on the grid for the whole life of that car. But the vehicle to grid car can at some point stabilize, help stabilizing the grid. Hmm. Just uh, a really interesting aspect of this, of course, is that how would it change the utility market? I mean, for the electric utility companies, uh, some would perhaps argue that, yeah, this will 
be a challenge for them. But on, on the other side, I think it could be a benefit because if you look what happened when Tesla installed this huge battery storage in, in the southern Australia, it helped to cut off uh, the peaks when the coal power plants couldn't uh, come online fast enough. And to have, uh, you know, a standby emergency power, which the utility companies really need to have, always have to have, it's a huge cost for them. Um, but if you have someone who can share that cost and, uh, you know, come in, and also what happened, just for people who don't know, uh, it reacted, the, the Tesla's, uh, uh, it wasn't installed for that, it was installed for the wind, solar, for the wind uh, farm in the area, but it, it helped to supply the grid in milliseconds, much, much faster. So it takes several seconds, which may sound nothing uh, if you look, hear it like that, but that could be a difference be between a blackout and not having a blackout. So, so that's uh, that's just an interesting aspect. I think that it could be a help for for utility electric utility companies that are open minded and, and see a new kind of ecosystem for this. So, what do you think about that? I, I fully agree. But in 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 basically the the Tesla battery in 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 Australia is just doing the same as the cars are doing in uh, Nubis vehicle to grid solution. Yeah. And of, uh, as much as I like the, the idea of the Tesla battery, but then you need to buy a battery only for that purpose. When you do vehicle to grid, people have already bought the battery because they drive once in a while, some hours a day, and the rest of the time the battery is just sitting there. So it makes a lot more sense that use the batteries that have already been produced for a secondary uh, option to stabilize the grid and all the other things we talked about. So. I'm sure there will be business cases and a lot of good reasons to in install uh, batteries like the Tesla one in Australia, but but still the idea of, of we already bought a big battery sitting in our driveway. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree, uh, Martin. It's um, something I realized when you said that, <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, so, okay, but I have one final question and that's uh, where do you think vehicle to grid is going in the in the next ten to five five to ten years? I mean, uh, where do you see the biggest challenges, perhaps, and what do you think we have to work with specifically to to accelerate the rollout of this um, new exciting technology? Looking at Europe, uh, we already mentioned the charger price and the availability, and we also mentioned the issues about the energy market. It's very complicated uh, to understand this and, and tap into the energy markets in many countries, even though we are in the EU. So this is some of the things that needs to be worked on. So it's an attractive market and easy to access for new players. Um, but also there is an issue with standardization of the charge, uh, the, the charge plugs or the charging uh, standards. Nissan and Mitsubishi is using the Japanese Chademo standard that is already working fine with vehicles grid. All the other uh, car manufacturers are working with the CCS standard. So this means that uh, if we are going to have a mass uh, rollout of vehicle to grid, this standard must be capable of doing this. Uh, it will hopefully be capable of doing it within uh, yeah, between one or three years or something like that. So then we hopefully see a mass rollout and I hope Volkswagen and many of the other uh, Auto manufacturers are ready by then, so the cars can actually do it. So I believe we see quite a lot more in five years and hopefully all the cars sold in 10 years uh, will be capable of doing vehicles to grid. It simply yeah. has to be because if not, we are overloading the grid. Uh, yeah. And that's crazy when the technology is there. So yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, you know, it's been very hard to predict what's going on in the EV world, but this is the best prediction from how it looks now. Yeah, yeah. Is there something we haven't mentioned or think that people should be aware of when we talk about vehicle to grid, either at the present situation or in the next couple of years? I think we've been around uh, all the issues, and and as I mentioned in the beginning, it's 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 it feels very uncomfortable that you can actually have a lower state of charge than than when you started, uh, you know, plugging in your car. But there is a way, uh, there are different ways that you can adjust your your system so it feels more comfortable. For instance, you can you can set a personal minimum level uh, state of charge. Uh, we all. All we, uh, we live in a place that we also think about what do I need my car for in, in the case of an emergency. You need to take the kids to the hospital or your, your pets to somewhere also or something like that. You may have a family member that you need to go to uh, quite often if they're uh, ill or something like that. But uh, this is so you have a personal minimum level. If you can set that in, in, in the software, this helps you a lot. So you're sure you can always go the distance you need. Uh, so there's yeah. a lot of uh, things you can set. Uh, and if, if you have that, you feel very comfortable by someone else is using your car for for backup to, to the grid. So there, there are lots of different ways you can do it and, and be very comfortable about this. Yeah, and that's great that you mentioned that because I forgot to, to mention it. I mean, it's it's obviously something that people are um, scared about. You know, uh, if I use my car as a storage for others or uh, you don't have the control, but uh, there are very, uh, you know, smart solutions for this that you can set, for example, a minimum charge that you always have 30 or 40% in the car. So you don't have to worry. It's it's always, it'll always be able to go to, you know, and in an emergency situation, you have to go to the hospital, you know, have to go somewhere unplanned. Um, so that's, that will be available. People, it's, it's an obvious solution for that. Exactly. And then people have been very comfortable by using it, what we have seen yeah. from, from our, our cases here in Denmark. Yeah, that's great to hear. Thank you so much, Martin. I, I've learned a lot and I hope uh, that people are watching um, can get inspired and uh, you know, perhaps you make the step towards uh, getting this solution or trying it out uh, a little easier. I am trying. <laughs> and yeah. So for people uh, who want may perhaps uh, to contact you or learn more about this, do you have any a way they can contact you? Well, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best one. Uh, Martin Messer Thompson on LinkedIn. So yeah. I think that's a good way to start. Yeah, great. I'll put a link in the descriptions below, obviously. Thank you. Again, thank you, Martin. Thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and were inspired. In the next episode, we'll talk to Sophie Gripenberg. How can we travel in a more sustainable way, decreasing our carbon footprint to combat climate crisis? Sophie has traveled across at least five continents and shares her experience how you can travel in a more sustainable way with a lot of advice and inspiration. As always, we appreciate your input. Was it good or bad? If you want to see the show as soon as it comes out, consider subscribing. And we always appreciate if you have comments or ideas for future episodes. So please share them in the comments below. I hope to see you in the next week.